it's been two weeks. Cody, are you ready? Are you ready? For the Thinking Basketball Podcast, my name is Ben, and this is the episode we have been waiting for for a long time. It has finally happened. Something big with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, for those who don't know, Cody was not, we were not doing the show together when the Bucks won the championship in 2021. He was hanging out with Kurt. Uh, that's a very deep cut. Um, are, oh, you're wearing a you're wearing a Bucks championship T-shirt today, probably uncoincidentally, flashing yeah. the camera for those watching. So uh, now it's happened. You're here. We can finally get into the meat of the matter, and and it's not clear cut either. This is a crazy trade. This is a wild and crazy trade because on one hand, Dame Lillard has been moved. We can talk about that. From the Dame Lillard side, it's going to be interesting to see him. I believe this will basically be the first good team he's ever played on. He's played on okay teams. He's played on okay teams. When you're the best player on an okay team, this goes back to when he was younger and he had LaMarcus Aldridge, and it goes back to 2019 when they kind of squeaked through the weak side of the bracket to make the conference finals. You can get to about 50, you know, a low 50 win quality team. You can win some playoff series. But when I say a good team, I mean you add a top 10, top 15 type of player. You add a superstar player and you are competing for championships either at the low end of that range or you are the favorite. This is the first time he's going to be in that situation. So there's a ton to talk about. But I mean, before I even mention Drew Holiday's name, how are you? Fe- how, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this whole thing? How are you holding up? Well, that's impossible to do without mentioning Drew Holiday's name. Uh, so this is really interesting because I, I'm glad you're here to process this right now because I have some very strong feelings. You know, I'm a biased Bucks fan. I want the Bucks to do well. And I want you to try and ground me in what we're going to talk about today. Because That's all I have, we're doing. Yeah. I don't think I have takes. Like, I don't plan on like going out there and like trying to get on an ESPN show right now. But like, I have thoughts, and I don't necessarily know if I've heard some of these thoughts before. So I want, to, I want you to ground me a little bit in what we're going to say. But let me walk you through the moment. Ben, I think you should be on the couch for this. I I, I am sort of lamenting the fact that we have to be sitting in front of computers. This really feels like uh, we're going to get intimate. So what I I can walk you through my moment first, because it's very simple and very brief. Um, Someone in our group chat sent a message tagging you. And I didn't know what was happening. And, and uh, it was like a five minute delay before I got the alert on my phone. So that was a fun four and a half minutes of trying to figure out what was going on with you. So now tell us what is going on with you. So school ends for the day, right? We're done. Students are leaving. I take out my phone just to look at what's going on. And I have like three or four texts. <laughs> and literally all they say is, oh, my God. But they're from people that, like, when they text me, oh, my God, I'm not actually that concerned. So I have these, and then I see, like, you know, I have notifications from a few different places at this point. So I'm like, I I actually, like, don't know what's happening. Like, nothing hits me at first. Then I go in, and I see that same message that you're talking about in the Thinking Basketball group. And I I swear to you, Ben, this this is not lying, right? I see the Damian Lillard thing, and my first thought is, oh, no. Did they trade Drew Holiday? I swear to you, Ben, that was my first thought when I saw the trade. Yeah. And it's really funny. I had the same thought. Uh, My wife was in the other room, and I said, like, you know, Lillard, alerts start coming. I said, Lillard has gone to the Bucks, but but the alert has no details. So I said to her, I said, 
Hopefully they did not trade him for Drew Holiday. <laughs> this is going to be crazy. And uh, yeah, sure enough, Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday, we can talk about that side because I'm not clear if he's going to end up in Portland or somewhere else this season if they're going to move him along. Um, so he could end up on another good team. Somewhere, Cody, in the back of my head, I'm like, can we get Drew Holiday on another contender mm-hmm. and then see what happens with them in the playoffs in 2024? This is this got me excited. This got me excited. There's all kinds of stuff happening. So continue um, with your emotional journey here. <laughs> well, I think I don't even remember what was like public, what's been public or private. But I think it was to you recently, like maybe right after the last time we recorded. I don't know. We were, we we're talking basketball, obviously. But I think I said to you that Drew Holiday is probably my second favorite player ever. Like, I'm pretty sure I said that to you like is two it, weeks ago. Who's first? John McLaughlin? Yeah. <laughs> Randy I, Brewer? I'm, so, I, I'm such a normie for saying LeBron James, but like we kind of like our basketball journeys began at the same time. He just started playing and I got really into ball at the Jack same time. Jack Sigma? So like, oh, <laughs> just, I want to name Paul old Pressy. Bucks. Yeah. Paul, Paul Pressy, Pressy, Ben. Alton yeah. Lister is my favorite. <laughs> Brian Winters. And now we're just naming names. But yeah, Drew Holiday is legitimately like my second favorite player ever. And I don't know. I definitely want to talk about like maybe some possible landing spots for Drew because I don't want the journey for Drew to end in like nothing against Portland. It would be cool to see him next to 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 the new kid over the scoot. Is that his name? Scoot. Yeah. The new new guy. Yeah. Yeah. Rookie scoot. (laughs) But like I, I want bigger things for Drew. I want bigger things for the starting point guard of the 2021 uh, Bucks team. So we can get to the Drew Holiday of it all. Uh, do you want to start with Drew or Dame, actually? Where do you want to start with one of these two guys? I want to start with Drew because we almost ended last podcast. And by the way, our our I think today we're going to be much quicker. We're, we're, we're in summer mode doing all these like <laughs> historical deep dives and philosophical conversations. We had a two-hour podcast last time, and we've been talking about, uh, you know, how do you analyze players and the greatest players of all time? So we ended on this like little tease about the Draymond Green, Manu Ginobili, uh, you know, Bobby Jones, I don't know who else is in this group, but Drew Holiday's in this group of players who you don't con- conventionally consider a superstar. Uh, that That's a fuzzy word in terms of the definition, but you don't think of them as like a top five player. You don't think of them as winning MVPs, even if they sometimes have really nice, strong MVP finishes because... They're recognized as doing things beyond scoring. But these are guys that usually are the support system, the secondary star, the sidekick, whatever it is on championship-type teams. And Drew Holiday is certainly one. And the interesting thing, we I think we mentioned his name and just this idea of like players who are actually much better than you think because the way we typically orient around players is, well, let me look at their points per game and their shooting percentages and their assists and some other basic box score numbers. Let me kind of marry that with what I see on the court in terms of their aesthetic or their bag or you know how diverse their ball handling and scoring is and all that. And Drew certainly has some of those skills, but I mean, your memory would be better than this on this than mine. During the 2021 championship run in Milwaukee, didn't his shooting numbers just go in the tank or something? Or was that 20? I think, I, I can't remember what season it was, 21 or 22. But it's like his shooting numbers go in the tank. But when you look at his plus minus data, when you look at the defense, then you look at the film and you see what's happening and you're going, well, one game they're putting him on this guy and they're slowing down this attack. Then Phoenix makes an adjustment. So they switch him over to Booker and they completely stop Booker after his big game. And you just realize like, he's one of these dudes 
that to borrow what we've been talking about for the last few episodes this summer, he fills in these in-between spaces. And so you have an elite defender, you have a versatile player, you have a playmaker, you have a guy that just, I mean, playmaker like creating for offense, but he also just makes plays. He gets loose balls, he gets rebounds, he just does stuff that you wouldn't expect. How how good is he? Like, are a lot of people thinking that the upgrade here from Holiday to Lillard is enormous? Is it because of the fit, which we can talk about with his offense? Because I think my first thought in thinking of Drew was, man, you have like one of these guys that just looks spectacularly important in the playoffs, but he doesn't have the traditional skill set or stat profile. I mean, he's only made like two all-star teams, which is so weird. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I was coming from. So the shooting thing that you're talking about, it's not... The reason you couldn't think of one season, Ben, is because this is a trend across... Like, I think I tweeted out uh, an image of this after the 2022 playoffs, combining both 2021 and 2022. Maybe it was was an after 2023. But if you look at literally every place, according to basketball reference, every place on the court is zero to three feet, uh, the short mid-range, long mid-range, three-point, they drop significantly for Drew, like significantly to the point where his true shooting percentage is. It's honestly like under 50, I think, across all the playoffs in those couple of seasons. So it's very, very low. And honestly, like I went back down the... (laughs) I feel like it was like a terrible breakup, Ben, where I was going through my old tweets about Drew Holiday. And I really went through it in 2021, Ben. At one point, uh, I think when the Bucs started uh, 0-2 against the Nets, uh, I called him... I said, it looks like Drew currently on Holiday is back at it again. Oh, no. Oh, no. The shooting was... I, I mean, that's what I was... That's what I was looking it's at. Like I thought, Skip oh. Bayless is channeling you or something. I know. It, it was a repeat of Eric Bleto in my mind. Like, okay, we have another defensive mm. point guard that, mm. like, you put out there in the playoffs and all of a sudden the shooting goes down. But here's the thing, Ben. In the regular season across the last couple of years, 21 to 2023, yeah. when Giannis and Drew Holiday are on the court together, yep. they're a plus 11.9. Yeah. And I know I know people out there are like, okay, relax. We know that they're great in the regular season. It's the playoffs where we see the struggles where the Heat have knocked them out you know, a couple of times in the first round, one of those without Drew Holiday. But even if you look at Giannis and Drew Holiday on the court together during the playoffs during their whole tenure, they're still plus nine. I think it's like plus 8.9, but plus 9. And as we talked about in the last episode, once you flirt with plus 10 as a duo in the playoffs, like we're talking all-time duo type stuff. Like plus 9 is higher than Kobe and Shaq in like 2001 and 2002, right? It's very difficult to get to that point. So whatever the drop-off was, Drew Holiday's creation, his defense, and like you said, the filling in the gaps were such a high level that like the net rating boost really didn't matter ultimately. Yeah, and and there's something that I probably, I don't know how much attention I'm going to give it in an upcoming video here in the um, Offensive Legends series that we're doing. But he adds to these other, like Drew, excuse me, hits one of these other areas that we don't talk about where it's the ability to dictate matchup with great offensive players or the ability to react and be flexible defensively. So in the playoffs, it's like you don't have to bend or break your shell, your lineup shell for the Bucks, because you just go, oh, Drew will guard the wing. Nah, Drew, we, we play switch. If we play a switch scheme, Drew can switch on the big. Oh, Drew can guard the point guard. Oh, Drew can guard the shooting guard who's prolific. You lose, you know, how valuable is that in the postseason? I have no idea. It's hard to measure, but I do think it's a thing that kind of fits in this bucket of stuff we don't usually talk about. And I think he adds that element come playoff time. I think what would shock people 
And the reason why Drew Holiday's in this conversation, if we were to take it historical and talk about the Ginobili's and Draymond Greens of the world, and there's only there's only a couple of them, so you know, excuse the pluralization. But like regular season, Cody, you mentioned that the Bucks were plus twelve when these guys were on the court together. They outscored opponents uh, with a, a twelve point per game. Excuse me, a net rating of of plus twelve. They're better with Drew when Giannis is on the bench than they are with Giannis when Drew is on the bench. And this is just one of these things that you don't see it with many other star pairing combinations and you don't see it with many other like superstar sidekick combinations. That's why we have have had this running joke now going with like, um, you know, before we even had plus minus, would a guy like Bobby Jones in Philadelphia or something like this have the same profile? It's just very, very rare. And he has that. Will that be something that is more about Giannis and continues with Dame Lillard? I don't know. Um, I, if you're ready to jump to the Lillard side of the conversation, it's fascinating to me. Not yet. We'll, we'll get there in a second. But there, there's a couple of things that I kind of want to add to that. This point that you just made about the Bucks being better with, with Drew on the court, that holds pretty consistent across the regular season. In the playoffs, it's pretty close. I think Giannis jumps a ahead of him a little. Yeah, yeah. Giannis but, jumps ahead of him a touch. Yeah. It's close. And yeah. then the thing I've heard, you know, I, I've tried to consume a little bit of content about this to see what other people are thinking. The one thing I keep seeing is that people are trying to maybe pair Drew Holiday with maybe uh, point guards that aren't great at defense, right? And I think the idea is, oh, you can kind of play him as an off-ball guy. He's going to play the two spot. But I think what makes Drew Holiday so valuable, like you said with the defensive part of it, is when he's playing the one. Because when the one is so is usually like such a negative on defense, when you have a guy out there who, in 2021, Ben, when Giannis went down with what seemed to be like the season-ending knee, uh, knee injury against the Hawks, like Drew Holiday was starting possessions on John Collins. And he was just like switching like, oh, I'll take on Trey, Trey Young here. So there's just like no place where you can like apply pressure when he's the point guard out there whereas when you have a point guard next to drew there's still that like area so that value of keeping him at the one to me is what really adds to what he brings to the table this we need a name for this um i don't know if we need a generic name or we need a name that has to do with you cody because i think no i think this is your marcus smart thing last year when the celtics made that adjustment and we started talking about point guard smart and what happens and I think there's this larger, holistic, five-man unit thing going on where all of a sudden, instead of Smart trying to cover up for Kemba Walker or some defensively uh, you know, weak point guard, he is the weakest defender by position on the... You know, maybe a shooting guard or a small forward is technically a less valuable defender, but all of a sudden, there's no holes to attack because this guy is so versatile and this guy is such a strong stopgap and you can play point of attack, which seemingly is more important now than ever, but you can also switch and handle these different matchups. So I think it's the exact same thing. And I'm really fascinated to see what happens to Milwaukee's defense in the postseason. And similarly, if Drew ends up somewhere where he can replicate that kind of role depending on the roster if he ends up on a contending sort of playoff type team I'm interested to see if they can have similar postseason success and you know I would love to see Drew on a contender but I think there's a couple of young teams that could use somebody like him like imagine say you get like Drew Drew Young Drew Holiday on the Spurs for instance I was thinking Trey Young at the time but I think even someone like the Spurs that needs someone I think Devin Vassell and uh and Johnson you know 
Wembenyama isn't necessarily the strongest creator. If you have someone that kind of kind of set the table and is just like a great dude on and off the court, you know, two-time teammate of the year award, I think that kind of thing really... I like really think the vibes aspect of things matter. Like if you think about your workplace when you're next to people you like feel supported by and good, like you just do better at your job. And I think basketball is kind of the same way. So Drew Holiday is just like a vibes king going to the Spurs, I think would be great. Uh, if he went to like the Magic Ben, like I would just watch every Magic game ever, like on repeat, like every day I would just rewatch the Magic games but i hope i hope he ends up in a place where he can either leverage his his skills to help push a team into contention or to like usher in a new generation of guys with his vibes and encore play that's what i want for drew holiday who are the vibes champions like the best vibe title winners wow of recent vintage of recent vintage yeah um 11 mavericks Beautiful game, they, like, per- beautiful game, Spurs. What, what, you know? Am yeah. I kind of reading into what you're talking about here? I think beautiful game, Spurs is about like the apex of this. Like no one's playing over 30 minutes a game. Everyone's completely bought in. Mm. They're beating the Heat by like a plus 14 net rating sort of thing. Like I, I don't know. That's that's about as good vibes as you can get. I can't think of other individual guys. This is terrible. I should. Well, the Bucks, is- the 21 Bucks, I think had had nice vibes. Don't you think? I just think, like, most of them, like, I remember Chris Middleton was in Madison when I was there, and so it was like, I see Chris Middleton at the bar nearby, and I'm like, oh my god, what's he doing? He's like, he's just in the corner playing darts by himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. Chris Middleton rules. Yeah. I, I, I think about that. I mean, there's no requisite that you have to get along to be successful. We've seen that throughout history in basketball and in sports, but I think the exercise might be fun, or trying to come up with a list might be worthwhile, because... Some of those teams that I just quickly thought of off the top of my head, it's the resiliency in in the face of not necessarily having a massive edge. So maybe you could say the beautiful game Spurs had the biggest sort of like edge over their opponents. They were actually fantastic and they were ahead of their time and they, they played in this style that uh, was more than the sum of its parts and all that. But, you know, the Mavs weren't like a dominant team, but they just played well together. They were super professional. Uh, It almost didn't matter what the score was. They just kept playing the exact same way. They had guys who could communicate, who understood their roles. So I think that's what you're getting at when you talk about vibes on a team. You're Mm -hmm. talking about sort of how to support the guy next to you in a situation, how to execute the coaching game plan, how to not necessarily go off the rails with ego and create discontent or something like that. It's all of those things that help the machine going, even if the team isn't a plus 14 or a plus 12 in net rating when its best players are on the court or something like that. And how much does that just make you a little harder to eliminate come playoff time? Because obviously, you know, the season's going to start soon, but we are a long way away from seeing what this sort of trade really yields. Like, it's really about the Bucks being a contender, and I give them a lot of credit. It's a lot of fun. And swinging for the fences and saying, like, Giannis, you're talking about potentially leaving at some point. You've, you've run the course here with your contract. We're good. We're going to take a risk and try to get even better. Um, and I feel like we've teased it, but, I mean, the... The Lillard side of it yep. with the fit is just so fascinating. And I'll punt it back to you, Cody, as, as our resident Bucks lover here, because now we have an offensive centerpiece, specifically a perimeter player, to pair with a two, what I've called the two-way kind of like hybrid style 
big man, on ball, off ball, mega defensive presence. I get hot and bothered thinking about these guys getting paired up with great guards. We talked a lot about it a little during the Who Could Be Goat episodes. So how are you feeling about that? So, I mean, the unstated thing that I, I have to say here, we just talked about waxed poetic about Drew Holiday. I love him. Uh, Damian Lillard, historically a good vibes guy. Like It seems like every teammate that talks about him talks about his leadership, how he holds everyone accountable, just like a dude that people like to play ball with. So I'm not saying it as like, you know, the unspoken thing when you write somebody a letter of record, it's like, so-and-so shows up on time. And it's like, all right, what's all the other <laughs> things you're not saying? I don't I don't want to say that about Damian Lillard. All stories seem to be that people love playing with the dude. And I think that's great. I love that he's a good vibe star that's coming over to, to Milwaukee as well. I do think the fit into Milwaukee is a little bit more complex than is being presented a lot from where I'm seeing. And I think, like, the main thing is that, A... Coach Budenholzer is no longer the coach, and Bud is, you know, for as much as people criticize him, he's an excellent regular season coach. Excellent regular season coach. I mean, you have him, you have a couple shooters, and someone that can execute the drive and kick game, you have 50 wins. Like, he's shown that quite a few times. I think uh, with the Hawks team he had in the mid-2010s when all of them made the starting lineup sort of thing. So I think with that in mind... I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks actually look worse in the regular season. All right, so if we start on like a macro scale before zooming in on specific parts, I would not be surprised if they had like a worse net rating, a worse record than the last couple of seasons of Bucks uh, playing just because of how good they've been, right? Because we need to see how Adrian Griffin's going to be as a coach. I think the key here is having to wait until the playoffs to see how that offensive part of it, because we talked, we, we alluded to it last episode where we both said that some of Giannis's... Uh, uh, misgivings, I should say, or shot selection, ways he plays offense sometimes holds him back from true goat contention. And uh, once we get there, if we have somebody that, you know, like Lillard, who's a half-court offensive genius, who I think we both put him in the top 10 offensive players in the league, that's where we're really going to see if he's actually going to be adding substantially to the team and not the regular season. Yeah, I think even higher, right? I think he's like top five, top seven I don't remember the last time we attempted to talk about the top offensive players in the league. But, I mean, he's someone who I know has been consistently on my radar at the back of the top 10 for overall players in the league that's based entirely on his offense. Because the fascinating thing about the Lillard swap is not just that you get this offensive piece that we'll talk about more in the fit in a second, but Drew Holiday may be you know, one of the two or three best offensive guard, uh, excuse me, defensive guards of the century, Damian Lillard is an all NBA player, despite having some serious, serious, uh, not just statistical challenges defensively, but when you turn on the film, he's very small. uh, He doesn't make a lot of plays. He's not great on screens, things like that. There's just a lot going on there where, you're wondering how big of a negative is this? And Cody, for me, I love this kind of experiment where, yes, let's talk about the offensive fit because there's a ball, but on the side of the court where there's no ball, if you have more help and you have coaching and team a team system that is bought into defense and knock on wood, Brooke Lopez is healthy and moving great like he was at the end of last season, and you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez and you're, and you're bought in, All of a sudden, can you be Tony Parker? Can you be enough defensively? Can you be Ray Allen in Boston? 
Can we look at you and say, like, okay, now that you don't have to do everything for 82 games on offense and you have a totally different defensive ecosystem, can we comfortably say you're not really bleeding any value on defense, especially in the playoffs? You're never going to be Drew Holiday. You're never going to be able to have the versatility of what we just talked about, you know, stonewalling someone's best player and switching on to other guys. But can you tread water? So as one of the best offensive players in the league at the end of the season, if you have a great season, we're talking about Dame Lillard. You know, if we're making our list of best players, we're not getting too far before we hit Dame Lillard. That's the kind of stuff I'm fascinated by. I think also an interesting team to look at as sort of a comparison is if you think about the way that Cleveland is built. Okay, because we have two guys. I think Donovan Mitchell has shown flashes of being able to play some good defense. Uh, He's had some pretty harsh lapses in the past, though. Um, Darius Garland has a long way to go when it comes to defense, but we have this push and pull where you have two guys that can be a negative or probably are a negative on defense. Then you have two guys who are a monster positive on defense in, in Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen. I kind of think the Bucks are more or less built like that now because I think the other thing about the Bucks going into last year's playoffs or this, this most, the most recent playoffs, I should say, is not just the, the half-court offense thing, but there was a lot of discourse about who's going to be stopping the strong wings, who's going to be stro- stopping the guys like Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, things like that when, we face, when, oh, when the Bucks face them, right? And now, since then, the Bucks haven't added any new additional like wing players that are strong defensive players, and in the, in the offseason, now they've lost Drew Holiday, they also lost Javon Carter, who is their other incredible point-of-attack defensive player, Hawk, that would pick someone up 96 feet away. So not only is Damian Lillard coming into like this strong ecosystem with Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez, but there's actually just really not a lot of strong perimeter defense at all with the Bucks right now. And I know there's a lot of young guys. I'm not 100% sure about all of them because Bud you know, has a very short leash and plays a very tight roster, so I think a lot of them are really going to be showing up. Pat Connaughton's still there, but he's more of like a hustle defensive guy. He's not like a lockdown type of defensive player. Uh, so I'm a little worried in that case, is like the Bucks face a strong perimeter guy, not necessarily sure what their answer is going to be, and I don't know how they're going to leverage. Like, if they do the drop scheme with Brooke Lopez, which they should, because Brooke Lopez is, you know, top five rim protector in the last decade. He's incredible shot blocker, incredible rim presence. But, like, Damian Lillard chasing guys around screens and doing a rear contest, I, I, I'm just not 100% sure what the defense is going to look like unless they add a little bit more um, strength in the the perimeter positions I think the big difference with Cleveland is they at least have some wings Mm -hmm. so we've seen Pat Connaughton play critical minutes in these lineups because it allows you to put a 6'4 6'5 wingy I mean he's an incredible athlete right so you can put that guy out there that can be a little more switchable grab rebounds have a little more size and presence you could slot Giannis up to the five in those lineups Chris Middleton Obviously, he's the other notable wing. Chris Middleton's a huge dude. Not really noted as like a stalwart defender, but also I don't think you and I would call him a a negative or a problem defensively or anything like that. So you've got a few guys there. Um, is is Jay Crowder still on this team? Is that? <laughs> I'm not sure about Jay. Crowder. Okay, but on the Chris Middleton point, though, I think. I think 2017 Chris Middleton, 2018 Chris Middleton is a much stronger defensive player. I actually think yeah. he was maybe even like a slight positive at that point. He was a pretty strong defender. But last year, coming off the injuries that he's had the last couple of years, I thought he kind of lost a step and was a little bit of a liability. Well, yeah, in terms of the health, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely true. Uh, you know, they did not really 
get what you want, obviously, from Chris Middleton last season. And if he's healthy and can go back to what we saw a few years ago, um, I mean, that could be the massive difference between where the Bucks end up at the end of the season in terms of when they're eliminated. Let's switch to offense. Mm-hmm. Dame Lillard, pull up three-point shooting. They love that like early empty side pick and roll where he can use his quickness to attack into open space, or he could, or he can use the space and and pull up from three if they play it differently. Th- that to me feels like the entry point for how he was used in Portland. The first big thought in my head is, uh, okay, so we go five out. I mean, it's Bud's not there, but you have to think that there's going to be some learning. You go five out, Giannis sets the screen. Does that change the equation? Does that make it extra difficult to defend because of his role gravity? In other words, is there, is there something there between your two stars right away that might be a really nice fit based on both of their strengths? Let me ask you something. Let me ask you a question, man. I'm going to test you for a second. What percentage of Giannis's possessions last year were characterized as a uh, pick-and-roll player not handling but the roller in the pick and roll what percentage of his possessions uh can i ask for an assistance what what's like a normal i have no clue what's like a normal big man because those those i assume you're talking about like a synergy style yeah Yeah, so the thing with the synergy style that throws me is sometimes it's only like when there's a shot so there may be 80 pick and rolls in a game but according to synergy there was 26 or something if i give you if i give you brooke lopez's does that give away too much context just give me Bro- yeah have. give me brooke that'll help I'll, that'll help me get the answer i don't know it off the top of my head but i thought brooke lopez was like 27 percent of his possessions i'm pretty sure we're we're pick and roll rolling okay uh my guess i'm just gonna go with my original instinct my guess is like 12 okay six six <laughs> percent yeah and this is pretty consistent throughout the last few years it's 6.8 7 6.2 something like that most of Giannis's possessions come in transition so I guess if we just look at half court possessions it's probably a little bit closer to that 12 that you're talking about but I mean this is a guy that I think had more handling possessions in the pick and roll than actually rolling right, right. last year so yeah. this is a dude that has a lot of isolations I think that's his primary half court a lot of handling in the pick and roll and so this is a critique that you and I have both had of Giannis in the past is like we almost want the ball out of his hands unless he's finishing. So I think the ideal that you're talking about, like, yeah, this empty-sided pick and roll, you have Damian Lillard, unbelievable pull-up three-point guy, you have Giannis rolling. We don't have, like, a ton of evidence that Giannis is, like, Amari Stoudemire and is ready to just spam pick and roll. Like, ideally, like, theoretically, he'd be incredible at that. But I do think it would be a quite a bit of a shift from what we've seen from Giannis. And I think that's going to be one of the interesting things is how much can Giannis actually shift the way that he's been playing offense for, honestly, his entire career in Milwaukee. Yeah, and on the same side, you know, does that open up some passing chops for Lillard? Because all of a sudden you spend a few months in practice with a new toy and you realize like, wait a second, this guy's got incredible roll gravity or he's a great vertical finisher. I think Giannis in space is fine. I think the five out stuff, I think that's why he's so many possessions in transition because when he comes down and there's a lot of space to attack, he's incredibly difficult and he can be really devastating in that sense. I think where you and I think he gets bogged down is in the half court. 
Um, occasionally, some of those low screening actions really work when he's the ball handler, but I don't like him dancing a lot outside and then stepping back and taking eight threes a game. I don't like him getting too stuck in the idea that he needs to back someone down and then kind of just it turns into like a football match. He's like, I'm getting to the free throw line or something ugly is happening. Uh, so on the offensive side right there, you add Chris Middleton as a shooter into the dance. And that's interesting because Chris Middleton, if he's healthy again, he can play a little bit more on ball. I wonder if some of the other younger bucks like Bochamp or something like that, if they can play more on ball, is there then stuff with Lillard and Giannis away from the ball? Again, screening action, Dame's great shooting. Um, Maybe you can unlock stuff there. These are all really big question marks to me, primarily because, as you said at the top, he's not moving into Bud's system. And for those who don't know, uh, Adrian Griffin, we did an NBA spaces with him last year. It was a lot of fun. He was, he was really, really nice to talk to. Uh, he's a, he was a defensive player when he played. I've been watching some old, old Adrian Griffin footage this summer, Cody. And, and you know, in, incredible hands, um, nicknamed the Hawk. It's always, you know you're good at something when you're a role player and you have a nickname. That's when you know. They're like, that guy is the Hawk. Uh, Might have been... Yeah, I think it was a possession against Kobe. One of the first Adrian Griffin clips I threw on this summer. Just just pickpockets him like a kid at the park. He's just like dribbling and Adrian Griffin's like, I will take that and go the other way. Thank you very much. So it, is he going to be one of these guys that comes in and continues to make a mark defensively? And there's a whole system defensively and a buy-in and the lineups want to be more defensive. Or is there you know, creative offensive stuff to be unlocked. I think these are the big questions for me. Um, And we'll just, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Absolutely. And I I would love to see things unlocked. I didn't go back and look at like a bunch of seasons, but again, in the same sort of like synergy stats kind of thing, 40% of Dame's possessions last year were handling in the pick and roll. 40, Ben, and 17 and a half were isolation. That's almost 60% of his possessions are like him pounding the rock and doing something with it. So I think we need to see some major adjustments from the two superstars that are being paired together. Theoretically, I mean, tell me if I'm out of bounds with this. Theoretically, this should be the best duo in the NBA right like who, I, who competes I, who, who competes no I don't know it's it's immediately right up there because I think you have two yeah. top 10 players basically um yeah. you know I guess he, I guess if you get like playoff Murray like Jokic and Murray right there at the top LeBron and AD are always near there um but I health, don't know Giannis and Dame yeah healthy Kawhi and Paul George and by healthy Kawhi and Paul George I mean 2019 Kawhi and 2019 <laughs> Paul George. No, it's it's right there. It's absolutely right there immediately. And then I think to your point about Jokic and Murray, you can rank players on a piece of paper and say like, well, having this one guy that, uh, you know, is worth X number of wins and his teammate is worth Y number of wins. And when we add them up together, they're worth 34 wins. As we've talked about so much, that's not really how basketball works. So the fit and the synergy and what comes out of a duo, uh, that's the to-be-determined part for me. And that's where I love the Jokic-Murray duo because they just dictate the entire the entire playoff game on offense. Like, how are you going to stop their two-man game? How are you going to construct their line, your lineups to stop them? And that's the question mark that I'm really excited to see about Dame in Milwaukee. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, Giannis literally for the past however many years has had one of the best point of attack or perimeter defender going all the way back from Bledsoe to Drew Holiday. So I think there's going to be some adjustments there. Uh, Dame isn't used to playing with someone like Giannis. So again, my call, my prediction, I should say, 
I wouldn't expect just don't expect the regular season success that people have been seeing for the Bucks. I don't I would not be surprised if they weren't first or second, maybe even third in the East. Like I could see them ending up being fourth in the East, and I will not be like sounding the alarm. Like regular season, gotta try things out. You got, I'm a big experiment in the regular season kind of guy. It's the playoffs that we have to wait for. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs that we have to wait for. As Bucks fans, they're probably not winning 58 games. They're probably not having a net rating near plus 10 like they had in 2020. Um, we gotta wait for the playoffs. So I think ultimately, like this, probably raises the ceiling for the Bucks. I think ultimately, I'm like, yep, I this is probably the right move, but. Uh, I, I am hurting, Ben. I feel I feel a void in my heart, and I wish nothing but the best for Drew Holiday. We we feel your pain. We're we're right there with you. I was wondering how low you were going to get the bucks in that monologue that you you started at one, and then you snuck it down to four. I was like, is he going to go to five? You know, if Giannis misses sometimes, I could see the bucks at six, maybe seven. <laughs> the bucks could be in the play-in. Okay, just don't be surprised if the bucks win the title from the play-in because you have to tinker with things during the regular season. Yeah, I'm glad you understand my pain. Like at, at a certain point, like are, are the am I going to have to like pick between the Magic and the Bucks like to get into the playoffs? Is this going to be a choice I have to Hopefully. make at some point, Ben? Yeah. So it's the summer, Cody. Um, we've we've been having fun. I mean, this now it feels serious. The Dame thing feels serious. But we, we wanted to try a segment this summer before the summer ends. We're going to try a fun, goofy segment. And uh, what are we calling this? Guess that number? I think so. That's probably as straightforward as yeah. it would be. Guess that number. So here's how this is going to work. Cody, you, got, you can play along at home. And then you let us know. You let us know if this ridiculous segment at the end of the show is, is worth the five minutes. Cody is going to um, give us a number. I, no, you're not going to give us a number. We're going to guess that number. That's why it's called guess that number. Cody's going to give us a name from a player. And if he needs it, a year, because sometimes players change numbers. Okay? And then we're going to guess, and by we, I mean me, and see if I can do this. We're going to guess and see what number he wore there was a whole reason how we got into this game and i was doing some research and and something with numbers came up and then i realized like this guy changed numbers and so this is just it's just fun goofy trivia to see if we can remember what numbers players wore okay after a summer of like talking about every possible iteration of this damian lillard trade like we're allowed to do this for one second i'm I'm actually really interested to see how good you are at this ben like i I I have no idea I tried yeah. to figure out, like, who's too easy, who's too hard. I tried to land in the middle. We, we uh, did a test run yesterday <laughs> from a player from the 70s. It was hard as hell. I realized <laughs> Cody asked me Bob Gross. I kept seeing 20, and then I realized uh, Maurice Lucas wore number 20, so my brain was fixated on 2-0, 2-0. It turned out it was 3-0, so I'm definitely excited to see how many of these I can get. Okay, I tried to get... A clipping from like once a decade from like the 70s i didn't get anyone from the 60s they see the older they get the harder it becomes almost impossible the 70s is just like cruel uh I mean, the other the only criteria here is that the player has to play a lot we're not we're not doing random like guys who played seven minutes in the nba i'm trying to think of where i even want to start let's start um, it up come on i wish okay. we had music we could play okay here's my first ga- question for you i was to say first guess here's my first question what did 2015 sacramento kings demarcus cousins wear Wait, did he did he wear a weird number in Sacramento? Uh, I don't know what a weird number is. I, I thought he. Okay. 
I'm a, I'm immediately. <laughs> this, this is, is so horrible. Why love, are we I playing this game. this game? I love this game. Why are we playing this game? <laughs> um. Oh, because he because he wore two different numbers. Now I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Didn't he wear zero in one place, and in Sacramento? Oh, you don't even have his player card up. You just wrote down what his number was in I, Sacramento. I wrote these down yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say 15. Yes, Ben. Okay. Let's start oh, off with that. Yeah. You scared me for a second. I didn't think you were gonna get it. Well, the way you framed it, and then realizing that I think in Golden State he wore he wore number zero, and then you revealing that you don't even have these player cards up in front of me is giving me giving me anxiety. I'm getting heart palpitations. I, th- I think the secret of this game too is I'm terrible at it. Like I, people get really into jerseys. They get into numbers. They're like into the aesthetics of it. I genuinely don't care. Like I, it just I, I don't see the numbers. I'm like number blind with them. Even though I like the stats. Anyway, I feel like my one. hands should be up here, so yeah. no one no one <laughs> says I'm looking these up. I want this to be a softball, or else it's going to be offensive. It's to this So nerve wracking when you say Tw- that. 2023 Timberwolves. What did Jaden McDaniels wear? Three. Yes. Look at you. You're okay. two for two. Two for two. Good. Now right, I can get the rest wrong and feel feel good. Okay. I went from Troy. Okay. Let's go to the 2000s. This one's a little... I'm interested. <laughs> I want to be a little tricksy with this one. 2006 Kobe Bryant. 2006 Kobe Bryant wore eight. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, he changed ben. his number the next season. Three for three. I'm impressed. We're going to stick with the 2000s, Ben. 2002 Charlotte Hornets. Oh, Baron my. Davis. Oh, this is... Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm seeing a one. I'm just going to go with it. I'm yes! seeing a one. Yes. Oh my God, Ben, this four is Four for four. We have one left. No, one left. Oh, okay. we have decades We're just, we're just rocking and rolling. Let's go. You're Let's four for four, man. Okay. We got to keep this going. Let's keep go the to the 90. Alive. Everyone better be sticking around till the end. This is incredible <laughs> content. This is horrible. Keep going. Ben, 1995, Houston Rockets. What did Robert Horry wear? Uh... Ori on the Rockets wore 25, right? Yes. Okay. I even said the hard H with his name. I got so excited that I gave him the Ori name. All right. So what, what, you're five? This is incredible. Ben, 1993, another Hornets pick, Larry Johnson. Uh, Grandma Ma? Yeah. I think that was the first basketball jersey I ever owned, Cody. So you inadvertently threw me a softball. That is... Number two, right? Yes, it is. Ben, yeah. this is incredible. Yeah. Six for six. Six for... All right. We're going down to 1987. This is oh probably my. an easy one. I assume this is an easy one Is this a Celtic? Atlanta Hawks, Dominique Wilkins. Uh, Yeah, that's easy. He, he only wore 21, right? Good. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I need like yep. a Wilkins teammate or something to make it... I didn't know how tough it was. We're Okay. We got two left. Okay. Two left. All right. Two left. 1980, San Diego Clippers. What did Kobe Bryant's dad, Joe Bryant, wear? Oh, 1980 San Diego Clippers. Jelly Bean Bryant. Okay, so now here's where we're getting into this thing where I start seeing numbers. Um, oh, let me think about this. I'm not seeing single digits. I'm seeing a two. I'm seeing a two, Cody. I'm okay. seeing that it starts with a two, and he definitely doesn't have one of those high funky twos like Rudy Gobert. It's not, it's not 27. Uh... Let me see. I can see him dunking on Kareem right yes, now. He's he's yes. dunking on Kareem. I am going to... Oh, man. I'm going to say 23. Yes! Okay. Oh, my God, Ben! <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Is that eight? Oh, my God. 
That's this is unreal. You're, I said eight for eight right now. We have yeah. one left. Yeah. Oh my god, this is so exciting. They're gonna Man, think okay. it's rigged. They're gonna I, think this the, is rigged. Here's the thing: I'm not like in the room with you watching, but like he's not clicking people. Like he's he's generally not clicking around. He's really struggling. Trying to keep this, my so. hands up. I tr- I trust you with this. Okay, last one. 1975. Oh oh, come on, Cody. 1975. <laughs> Kansas City Kings. No, no. Ben, what did Sam Lacey wear? No, no. I'm going to have to guess. I'm going to have to guess. I've seen like three Sam Lacey clips. <laughs> the streak is going to end, Cody. The streak is going to end. Uh, Eight? No. no. I'm sorry. Yeah. Should I, I should just tell you. Shouldn't what I? is it? It is 44. No. Sam Lacey wore 44. Eight for, I'm, I'm impressed. Eight for nine is an incredible... Incredible so, start for this. So this is this is this was interesting. I'm interested to see how people think about this. If this is a one-time thing or not? Because <laughs> the thing, when you sent me the Bob Gross, I realized uh, it's almost impossible if I haven't seen the player a lot. Mm-hmm. And Sam Lace, there's just no Kansas City Kings. Like you can only see highlights, and when I see the highlights, I can't I can't like visualize the number anymore i literally think i've seen like three sam lacy highlights and they were very hard to find i was pulling them up for a clip on big man passers maybe with the Jokic video in like 2019 so so if it's like the 70s you want to stick to like it's got to be someone know, like the who lakers blazers the warriors uh, the, the sonics the sonics the wizards sonics, yeah. uh yeah all those teams that the bulls maybe a little bit the the sloan norm van leer bulls yeah um yeah no you did it you did a great job though that was you did a great that no, was that, that was, was nerve wracking really, no that was incredible I loved that yeah. so you much. threw some an, you, you threw some softballs Dominique Wilkins does a softball yeah I I didn't know yeah. how much it was tough to toggle between like the difficulty levels um, yeah and you didn't good. know about my grandma ma relationship either no, Larry Johnson awesome. I love the UNLV UNLV is like college nineties Portland Trailblazers Cody. I feel like, you know, I was I was born in the 90s, but I have two brothers that were, like, very much alive in the 90s. It feels like, it, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like Larry Johnson was, like, incredibly popular. Oh, among, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredibly he was a, popular. He was a huge deal. Yeah. He was a huge deal. Uh, he had the shoes. Uh, he played Urkel one-on-one. Uh, <laughs> he had, like, he had, the, he had the teeth. I don't even remember if he had a grill or what he had. He had, like, some fake tooth situation that was very blingy. It was very shiny and... Yeah, he was a huge deal. I'm remembering something about it. I don't remember. I think it was watching one of the conference finals uh, games when I was, you know, going around the summer watching conference finals stuff. I think <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy at one point was asked, "Who is the best? Yes, who is the best yes. teammate you ever had on he your says, team?" He talks about Larry Johnson. Yeah, he picked Larry Johnson as yeah. the best like teammate he's seen among the teams he's coached. This is New York Knicks Larry Johnson, just to yep. be clear. So, so he he was a top pick and then sort of uh, build as part of this young Charlotte team with Alonzo Mourning as a next superstar. And his career didn't go in that direction. They also had a bad back injury. And then he went to the Knicks, 99 Knicks team that made the finals. He has the four-point play uh, in a game in Madison Square Garden against the Pacers. That version of Larry Johnson, Jeff Van Gundy, I now we, now the next task is to try to figure out what game that is from. We should end the podcast, Cody. We should we should do the responsible thing and shut it down. Now I, this is great. I think the people just want us to riff on. I'll, uh, I'll find I'll find that I'll find that quote somewhere. Yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know if you think we should ever play another round of guess that number. Um, if you want to support us directly, Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingBasketball is the best way to do it. That is it for this one. Thanks as always for listening. And of course, we hope you are having a great day. (laughs) 